Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas. And today, you guys are going to love this story because not only are we talking about consumer products, but we're talking about this amazing individual entrepreneur who has really built not only a brand for herself, but also her company. And and I'm so excited to introduce you guys to Daisy Jing. Daisy, it is awesome having you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Justin. I'm super excited to be here. I am so excited too. I mean, you have such a very cool story to tell. I can't even wait to dive into this. But um, for those of you that don't know Daisy, I mean, I could, her resume is amazing. She's a YouTube vlogger and uh, an amazing entrepreneur at uh, Forbes 30 Under 30. Um, got a product line, multi-million dollar product line named Banish. Uh, I mean, geez, you've done some amazing things, Daisy, and I can't even wait to start to dive into this. But let's start with this. How did you decide, I'm going to launch my own business in the consumer goods space here? And then how did you decide to focus on this product? Like, How did that all start? Yeah. So Justin, I think the reason why uh, we've been really successful is because I never intended to start a business. Oh, really? That I had. Yeah. So they say like the best businesses come from trying to solve your own problem. Absolutely. And I agree with that 100%. So I've had um, acne all my life. I have a lot of skin issues. Uh, My skin is something I've just had problems with all my life. And um, growing up, I would try so many different products. And I found out I was allergic to like 90% of the ingredients in skincare out there. And the, you know, acne treatments out there just made my skin worse. Um, instead of making it better. So I became really depressed, um, feeling like I didn't have a solution to my skin, feeling like people were judging me based on my acne. And so I started a YouTube channel back in 2010 and just started making random videos, um, you know, just talking about my skin and being very, very vulnerable about it. Sure. And I had one video that kind of went viral. At that time, <laughs> it was called Growing Up Ugly. And people really resonated with my message and they loved my vulnerability and authenticity. And so I started developing a following. Um, and I really credit having the YouTube video and having that background and that story because without the YouTube video, the business definitely wouldn't be uh, where it is today uh, because you know people really trust me. I already had an audience um, first and foremost. Yes. And then, um, yeah. And so I just kept making videos. I have over 700 videos on YouTube, over 70 million views. <laughs> That's crazy. Reviewing skincare. <laughs> yeah. Just talking about, you know, uh, skincare in general. And uh, so I'm pretty knowledgeable about it. I became kind of a thought leader in the space. And um, back in 2012, um, I was going to get my face lasered. Um, and I went to a plastic surgeon to get it lasered. And he said that lasering isn't good for my skin. And then try out, you know, this new technology, these new products. I tried it. It made my skin really good. Like it, it helped my skin more than anything else I tried. People wanted to purchase it from me, and that's kind of how it started. So I never intended to start a business. I never had a business plan. It just came out from me wanting to solve my problem, which was how do I, you know, fix my skin? Right? How do I, um, how do I help heal my skin? How do I create or how do I use products that won't irritate and like make my skin further break out? And because I kind of solved it, other people wanted to try it as well. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. That's so amazing. I mean, the power of social media. And, you know, I, one of the reasons I love hosting this podcast is I get to meet people that 
you know, there's usually there is usually a problem there they have figured out how to solve, right, with a product. But I mean, you're just so unique in terms of how you've built the brand and 70 million fo- uh, views. I mean, unbelievable. For those of you who don't know Daisy, CEO and founder of Banish. Um, all right, so Daisy, so you start <laughs> these videos. So when did you know? Hmm, this is turning into something more than just you know me loading videos on YouTube. Um, I didn't necessarily like think of it. I don't know if I ever thought of it that way. Um, I think there were some videos where I was making um, affiliate commission, and this was you know really early on, and just seeing kind of the amount of products that were being pushed from the affiliate commissions was like, huh, like you know I do have influence right over what people sure, buy, absolutely. and that kind of made me realize like, hey, like you know people are really trusting my opinion. So that was kind of a yeah first time when I saw you know just the affiliate commissions. Um, it kind of made me think, huh, you know, people trust what I have to recommend. Sure. So you decide to dive into the whole beauty product space. And, you know, I, I host a lot of um, entrepreneurs in the consumer goods space. And so talk about just your path to figuring out how, you know, I've got acne, I have face and skin problems too. I'm going to make a product that solves that. Like, talk about how you got started in, around that space. Yeah. So it started just with one product. And we, sell that product um and it was just me like you know i had the recommendation from the plastic surgeon of certain ingredients certain vendors certain sourcing um and then i just kind of created on my own trial and error really (laughs) i was me mixing (laughs) stuff up in my kitchen trying it on me i mean it was just like you know (laughs) uh me experimenting but because i had so much knowledge just myself researching um i did study pre-med and all that kind of stuff so i was i knew the basics um and just trying it on my own um, and I found what worked for me and I thought, Hey, if it works for me, maybe other people will want to use it. So it started with one product. Wow. Okay. So you got that one product and you've got it and you, at some point, I guess you found a, a, you got to a place where you thought, okay, well I'll try this with others. At, at what point did you go, okay, it's working. So now how do I, you know, how do I package this and get it to market? Like how, how did that transition happen? Yeah, it was, I would say it was like very organic. Um, there was, <laughs> <laughs> very little planning in terms of the packaging right. and all of like the infrastructure you need. Like it was sure. me literally like we would get one or two orders a day That's in the beginning. Crazy. So I could, I could handle that. Sure. And I would go to the post office and I didn't have a printer and I would handwrite all the labels and I'd create a card. You know, I, it was just totally. like me doing this. Um, yeah, small business. Yep. Um, uh, but then I think like once we maybe got maybe 10 orders a day or something, then um, I hired an intern and she was able to help me like package. And then I was able to like focus more on, okay, maybe we should change, you know, instead of me going to Target to buy the envelopes, maybe, you know, <laughs> we <laughs> should buy them order them or, in bulk. You know, these, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Just these little things that like I never thought about. Um, so that was kind of the transition when I had consistent orders. And it was so weird because in the beginning I thought like, oh my God, one day, like one day, like the orders will stop uh, because I never intentionally like wanted to run this business it was just kind of happened and i was waiting for the orders to stop but they didn't stop (laughs) in fact they got going more right i mean it grew yeah and it was weird because i almost wanted it to stop because i was like (laughs) i just want to like make youtube videos i don't want to worry about you know (laughs) fulfilling product yeah uh, but it kept going because the product worked so um 
yeah, so when I hired the intern, I think I was able to like really take a bird's eye view and work on other aspects of the business. Sure. So uh, and that's pretty amazing. Was there a point where it got to be so much that the intern even couldn't handle it and it was now time to more formally go to some production, do you know what I mean? Or manufacturing versus it being done at home or whatnot? Like how did that evolve? Yeah. So we moved into um, an office space and then I hired more people to work with the intern or like work as a team. But we actually do most of it in-house, um, even to this day, because I'm kind of a control freak. And so it's not a bad thing. Freak. I kind of want to over, oversee everything. Sure. So um, yeah, we have people going every day, every morning, making, filling, bottling, shipping the products. And we control that all in-house. Uh, which is really cool because if we want to launch a sale or if we want to do whatever, if we want to change the packaging, we can just do it, you know, at a minute's notice. Um, whereas if you work with a third party, you know, you got to wait, make sure they do it right, make sure they, you know, fold everything. I mean, just all the little details. I think it's much easier to have vertical control over it. Um, but when did I realize... Um, I'm sorry. What was the question? Uh, <laughs> I, was just, I was curious. Just as, in, in terms of how you grow, I mean, it's so. It's usually at some point there's a tipping point when it's like too much for one or two people. And I, no, I was just curious to hear your story around growth. And, oh, okay. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And so, um, um, as as you've grown, how have you made decisions around like what new products to get into, or and maybe share with our audience also what product lines you have now? Yeah. So in terms of what product lines to go into. I really try to make sure my mind is like as pure as possible. I know it sounds weird, but I think people get too caught up in doing competitive analysis or looking at what other people are doing. Um, I actually just go and I kind of figure out like, hey, what do I like? and What would I want? Um, whenever I come from that point of innovation, I feel like the products always do 10 times better than trying to copy what someone else has done. Because we've tried like we see someone else is launching something, so we'll try it and it doesn't sell because it's just not what our consumer base wants. So I try to keep my mind like, um, you know, you got to keep your mind sharp. You got to make sure that you're not really influenced by all the outside noise. Um, and I think I've, sometimes I've made mistakes and like trying to listen to too much like of the outside, <laughs> outside world, outside noise. But um, I always think about like, what do I personally want? If I were to make this better, what would I do? Um, for example, our newest product, the Banisher 2.0, I travel a ton and I just wish there was a way for me to make it more travel friendly, an easier way for me to clean the product, um, and also an easier way to like navigate it around the skin. So because of that, I devised um, a new product to help me with my own problem. So I found that the best products come from a problem that you're trying to solve instead of trying to like, you know, figure out what other people are doing. And when, so when you talk to other entrepreneurs, do you find that's a common thread or do you find that a lot of them take the time to look at the market, look at the competitors are doing blah, blah, blah. I mean, what, what have you found in terms of just others that you've, you've interfaced with? Yeah, I would say it's probably the latter, um, especially those who, you know, do the whole Amazon arbitrage Got and all it. that. Right. They'll just look at what's hot, what's growing, and then they'll just source it and, you know, sell it. And it might last for a few months, but then they're going to have to find the next product, right? That, Absolutely. Um, that's going to be growing. Um, I think I've taken a different approach where we don't sell on Amazon. I don't do any of that, like like, like studying the competitors or the sure. growth stuff. Yep. I really think about our customers and I think about what would they want? How that's, can we make it better for them? How can we make it easier for them? Absolutely. Um, and I've had really good results from thinking of it from that perspective. Um, and I also believe that, you know, we are the innovator. We are the thought leader in this space. And so, 
if anything, people are copying what we're doing, right? Um, but you're always going to have to think of like improving everything, right? And thinking of new ideas. So that's uh, that's why I try to focus on the most. So at, in, taking a little bit of a right-hand turn here, uh, you know, what do you think made your videos and your YouTube presence so successful? And I ask that because I'm sure there we have listeners that have, quote-unquote, always wanted to be a social media influencer, you know, quote-unquote. Um, but what do you think has made your videos resonate and, and, and really developed your following and, and whatnot? Yeah, so I definitely believe it's my authenticity and how emotionally honest I am. Um, I'm very, very honest about my feelings and I'm able to articulate and speak to them. I think people resonate and they find it refreshing. Um, so, you know, there were times in YouTube where I felt like I had to fit in with everyone else. Like I felt like I had to, you know, have this materialistic life or portray this image. Um, and it actually made me less successful because, you know, I wasn't the best at trying to be somebody else. Um, so I think it's just figuring out like where your angle is and like what like how people resonate with you, right? Because for me, it was that authenticity. But for somebody else, it could be, you know, their knowledge of technology. Sure, absolutely. Either, you know, it's their like, car collection. I don't know. Right. It's no, it's like, everybody. that's your comparative advantage. That's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And anytime I swayed away from who I am, I've always, like, I've always lost a lot of time and money on that. So I try to stick to what I know and who I am as best as I can. Sure. I love that. Yeah. And you're in the, the skincare, skincare space and there are obviously other products in that space, but what is it about your products that make them differentiated or, or unique? So I foresee the entire production um, and I'm very, very, very picky. Ask anybody who works with me. Like I can go to everything. <laughs> I, know, I know. When I, I hit stop, you're going to say, I want to hear their podcast before you release it. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm happy to share it with you too. <laughs> No, I, I'm very, very picky. Um, like we've had chemists and formulators and stuff and they'll send me stuff and I like reject every single one and they'll get frustrated. Um, but because I'm so picky, we launch the highest quality of products. Um, you know, the ingredients, you can pronounce what they are, you know what they are. They're not going to irritate your skin. They're not going to make you break out. And it's simply because I have very, very sensitive skin. You know, my skin reacts badly towards everything. So <laughs> you're like uh, a good test really case, right? <laughs> Yeah, there's a really high threshold for what we can wow. sell. Wow. Um, and so obviously I've gotten offers from like, oh, you should sell this product or that product because it's right. super hot, it's super right. cool, it's super trending, it'll look great on Instagram, but um, it just doesn't suit well with me. And because of that, I think we're able to have the trust from our, we call them banished soldiers, oh, uh, that nice. the quality of our products are really high because That's of that. Pretty awesome. Um, you've got a new product out. Do you want to talk about the Banish Kit 2.0 or uh, anything about your new products before we jump to some of your big lessons learned? Uh, yeah, the Banish Kit 2.0 took almost two and a half to three years in development. So we're manufacturing it. Um, I mean, we went through so many different molds and with each mold that doesn't work out, it's a lot of money lost. Um, but it came from, you know, it came from the Banisher 1.0. Like I was inspired um, to create a better product than what we currently had because I was like, well, I want it more targeted to the skin. Um, I heard the complaints from our customers that they weren't using the Banisher 1.0 properly. So I wanted to create a tool that could um, like lessen the risk of people not using it properly and just make it more convenient to bring along with you. Um, so that is our top selling product right now. 
Um, and yeah, it's That's our pretty awesome. main product. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, it's funny you mentioned the two and a half, three years and uh, on other of my episodes, we've talked about just, you know, making product, whether local or overseas. And just when, when you have to create a mold and if there's changes to that, you know, got to create a new mold and whatnot. So and we've definitely covered that. And I, it's hard to imagine though, something taking, you've lived it, but you know, when you, people listening that haven't ever created a product, it's like, yeah, it can take one, two, three years to get something right. I mean, it just takes time. And it's like, I have so much appreciation for anything that works in our life now. Like, so our, our product, you have a screw on cap that you fill with liquid. <laughs> Sounds simple, and right? I didn't realize. <laughs> yeah. You think it's so simple, right. but then I realized like in the water bottles, when you screw it on, it changes like the air bubble space, right? <laughs> so crazy. every single water bottle you use, they like made it perfect so that way it doesn't leak out. And that's not an easy thing to do, but you don't even think of it. Right. <laughs> right. And so I have so much appreciation for like even the coffee maker working in the morning, you know, like, Oh my gosh, that somebody had to develop that. Somebody had to figure out how everything works yep. and we're no using question. that every single day. We don't, yeah, we don't think about it. So I have so much appreciation for just like all the cool inventors and designers who have made our lives so much easier. That's so fair. And you don't even think about it when the products you use every day, but it's so true. Um, yeah. So before we go, a couple things. Share with our audience maybe uh, two or three of like the biggest lessons learned as you have built your brand and built this company. Um, and then we'll get to where our, our listeners can find you. Two to three lessons. Uh, the first thing is be selective about whose advice you take. Mm, so I, I like I, that one. Tell me more. Yeah, because I mean, I think before like I was this, what, 25-year-old girl just out of my house like trying to figure out what to do. And I... I didn't believe in myself. I thought I didn't know enough. So I would go to conferences. I would ask for help. I would, you know, try to find mentors, X, Y, and Z. And it seemed like anytime I blindly followed someone's advice, it kind of bit me in the ass, you know, um, back. So that's interesting. I've definitely heard that one before. That's, that's an interesting one. It's almost trust your own gut instinct. If you've got an idea, it's like pursue that, follow it, trust it without because others may not have that same vision right or that same insight that exactly. you might have that's a good one yeah and i would I, I mean people would give me advice but then now thinking back on it i was like well they don't know anything about skincare they don't know anything right. about customers like they don't have so the same fair. story but i just trusted them because i thought oh they're successful on paper they know what to do and you know not everyone is going to be right all the time so that's number one like figure out what noise to block out like you can't take everyone's advice um yeah the second thing is be very careful about who you hire. Like people issues are the absolute most draining, emotionally stressful. Like it's awful. Um, and I think before, like in the very beginning, I was super, I was just very trusting, right. Cause I didn't have any experience. Um, so I just hire like whatever, like, Oh, you're hired, you know, <laughs> without going through the proper, you know, uh, checks and balances. Um, because once you have somebody on your team, it's very, very difficult to let them go. Sure. Um, so Especially a small company. Careful. Yeah. Yes. And it's always worth spending an extra thousand dollars or an extra month to just vet them. Just take that time. Be patient. I know like a lot of people are like, oh, we need to hire like five new X, Y, and Z. But like be very, very careful. Um, Cause that has always been the most stressful part. It's not even like the product development. Cause you can control the product development. You can, right. you know, That's find so the vendor, do whatever. You can't control but people. people. You can't control people. And especially when, they're not trustworthy people. I mean, there's nothing you can do to make them trustworthy, no, and sometimes right? So. It's hard to know up front. You know, everyone puts on their best face and, you know, yeah. unless you have good references and whatnot. Yeah, it's so true. 
That's definitely a common yeah, theme so, I've heard from a lot of entrepreneurs. Um, so be very, very careful about that. <laughs> yeah. No, I totally get that one. Um, well, Daisy, this is, I love your story. I mean, you've had some incredible success and I mean, you've got a growing budding, not only brand personally, but again, your product um, is doing amazingly well. Where can our listeners find you? Tell them about your channel and then also where they can find your products. Yeah. So the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash Dazers89, D-A-I-S-E-R-Z-89. And because, okay. And that was, should I even ask? It was in my TED talk. Yeah, tell me about that. It was a username that nobody could spell because I didn't want anyone to find Uh my videos. And now it's, you know, grown. So that's the same handle as my Instagram at Dazers89. But then um, the website is Banish and at Banish Acne Scars. You can find our products there. If if you guys just go (laughs) Google Daisy Jing, you'll find all of that. I love it. <laughs> Daisy, this is awesome. Hey, listen, I am so glad you came on the podcast. Um, I'm super excited to stay in touch with you and follow you and see, you know, what else you can you can do. There's so much potential here, I think, in, in you and the products. And I just really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks, Justin. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.